0: Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies, we feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody! Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me for the reunion tour, back for round number two, I have Maria Juan. Uh, she's the VP of Marketing at PureFit. Uh, Maria, welcome back to the show for 2.0. This is exciting.
1: I love that the reunion tour. It feels like a like a rock concert. I like it.
0: I, I know. I'm am a big fan of going to some some rock concerts. So this kind of hits home for me too. But for um, sure. So I. I've had a couple other people back on the show for the reunion tour, and I never remember what podcast episode they were on, but I wrote it down this time. Okay. If you're listening to this, our our first episode with Maria was 105. Um, So if you want to go listen to that after this, if uh, you think we talk about something cool today that you're interested in, uh, go check that one out. It was a really fun podcast episode. But um, Maria, thanks again. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. So to kick this off, I have a question for you. And this is one thing I can't remember if, if we did this on your podcast episode or not. But if you had to choose between sitting down for an evening and watching a movie or watching your favorite TV show, what do you think you would choose?
1: So movie versus a TV show, I would definitely go movie. Um, I'm noticing more and more that I cannot Uh, stay with uh, like long-term TV shows. I don't know how we did it back in the day where there were 12 seasons of shows and now I can't even get through four seasons of a Netflix (laughs) comedy. So so I would definitely do movie and I would probably do something where I wouldn't have to concentrate because I love just being able to zone out. And so it'd probably be like one of my old favorite movies or something, something where I know it's going to happen, but I still don't have to be fully vested in. So definitely movie all the way. Although I did watch, I did watch Squid Game uh, last week. So that was a TV show and of episodes that I did follow through. So.
0: Hey, there you go. So I like your um, clarification there. You have your movies that you can sit down and enjoy or the movies that like you've seen before, but kind of run in the background for me, if I were to choose, like I'd probably go TV show, to be honest, maybe it's just my personality, but I would go if I didn't want to pay attention, I'd turn on the office because guilty pleasure. I've seen it way too many times. So probably have it memorized by now. And then, you know, you have your TV shows that are like, Ooh, keep you on the edge of your seat.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. A new one where you're like, Hey, I want to, I want to fully vest myself into this TV show. Yeah.
0: Those are, yes.
1: Yeah.
0: It it definitely depends on the night, Um, but cool. So I I've been getting, I've asked a few people that question and the majority have said movie. So that's interesting to hear that. Um, Very cool. So today we have a couple of different things we're going to cover, Um, but I I mentioned this as well before with having people back on the podcast, we're trying to give information from a peer standpoint, like what are you doing today that's working? What has worked for you really well the last few months? Um, And for you guys, it's been connecting with your buyers, building relationships, one through email, and then on top of that, building an audience um, through social, because people are just doing that wrong. Um, Hmm. So to kick it off, we'll start with the social side. Um, This I am 100% aligned on uh, with you is buyers are on social networks to be social, um, not to find their next vendor. It's like an aha moment, right? (laughs) So how should that dictate our approach when it comes to social platforms? What are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, and this might just fall into the to the industry that we're in, which is B2B marketing. And I can imagine some B2B marketers might might hear that and say, no way, Maria, what are you talking about? But this is just what we find. And maybe it's because we're in the healthcare fitness space and it's just a unique industry that we're in. But it's really, I think, difficult for me to pitch to our sales team social media, right? As a as a way of filling the pipeline. To me, it is it's a huge brand awareness tool. And it's also also a bit of a necessary evil, right? It's like, you have to be doing social media in some capacity. You don't need to be everywhere, but you definitely need to be somewhere. And so that's something that I always think about when we think about from, from the perspective of our organization is what social media is for us. It's a brand awareness tool, and it's something to support efforts, um, either on the inbound side or, or specifically for our user base, But it's, but it's very rarely ever been a source of prospects. For us. It's not a prospecting tool for us. And so, and what we've come to realize is, is that unless you're on LinkedIn, most people on there are not buying, they're not searching for tools and things like that. There are other methods that they're going to use to find those. And, um, and especially in the B2B marketing space, and maybe even in the healthcare space, word of mouth still trumps everything, right? And so for us, it has to be part of our toolkit, but it can't be the main driver, for for prospecting for us for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. I like what you say about it's more of a brand awareness play because I've I've gotten like pushback when I've said similar things on LinkedIn where they're like, well, when when do you get the leads? And like, isn't this a lead gen activity? And the thing is if you do brand and execute brand well, then you're indirectly going to generate leads down the road. So you have to think of like the long game. And by indirectly, it's going to be more. You're going to have better results. You're going to have less churn because they're going to be invested in your brand and they're going to be excited to buy from you. Is that what you guys are realizing as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When we get leads in that we call what we call marketing generated leads, right? They're all, they're just coming in. You know, we use HubSpot as a tool. Yes, we drink that Kool-Aid. We love HubSpot, but they're all coming in as organic leads. Right, So when they asked me, okay, they came in organically, what does that mean? Okay, well, they either searched for us um, through Google or through one of the search engines, and then they came to our site through that method, right? It's not direct traffic, right? So they did a search for us. So how did they know to search for PeerFit? Either they found us through some keywords, or they knew the name, and they were able to directly search for us in that manner, but maybe they didn't remember our our domain, right? Our peerfit.com. So but how did they know to search? Well, they had to have seen us somewhere, right? So we know that social and, and PR and press and comms, those are all going to, to play into the brand awareness tool that is going to feed into our organic traffic. Right, and so when someone tells me, "Well, we've got all these market marketing generated leads from organic traffic," that's when I tell them, "Well, here is more li- more than likely where they came from," um, and and that's the thing that I always tell our my CEO and my CRO is like, "Listen, I can't directly tie dollar for dollar how well social media works. It just does. So the and the way that you can trust me on this is just go post something to your LinkedIn and and you show me how much." That you were able to get out of that one post just because you're you're a thought leader right and so it's been great to be able to kind of come to that have that come to jesus moment with the team they know it's important they know we have to do it but i don't have to tie kpis directly to social media anymore because they know it's something that's just going to help play into the into the pipeline
0: Mm -hmm. you know what's interesting is you're following your gut which i think a lot of marketers one need to get better at and two just actually need to do from time to time because you don't need to measure everything so you're are you getting like qualitative feedback because i know like your pipeline is growing right and you know you're just like well i can't really prove it like quantitatively but here's the results of what we're doing are you getting like feedback from buyers like hey on a sales call man i saw 20 of your your pieces of content on linkedin or wherever it is you're posting is that the kind of stuff you're getting
1: yeah, absolutely. I think when we do get those leads that come in and you know, I always try and get the sales team to ask them that one awkward question that they seem to always forget to ask. But when I do get the answers, it's always because, oh, I saw you on social media or I saw something that you posted the other day. A lot of it does play back to either I saw your company post something on social media or I saw one of your team members post something on social media. That's a big play for us as well. It's not just what the company is posting, but I really encourage our team members to constantly post as well, because they have the networks, they have the connections. Um, so what I usually do is I'll feed them content to post um, that that we're creating for them. And I'll tell them, hey, post this from your personal channels, because you're going to get more reach than the brand is going to get. And so, um, and so we always seem to get the feedback that, hey, I saw you through some sort of brand awareness campaign.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, who are you within your company asking to post? Is it like the C-suite, your sales teams, SDRs? Who is it that you're asking? Is it everybody? What is all of like? the
1: above, all of the above. Yeah, I think a lot of it, definitely pulling it from our sales teams. Um, and so that's huge. The CEO, especially, and any of our leadership teams, basically, if you have a C in front of your name, I'm going to be pushing content to you to push out because you have the networks. But we definitely always encourage a lot of people um, to post if they are active on social media. And I always say like, listen, if you're not active on social media, totally okay. There are other ways that we can help grow your networks but um, if you are active, but you need, you kind of need a little bit of help to figure out what to post. We provide that for them through, you know, and I'll usually post something in our marketing Slack channel and say, here's an article, here's an interesting, this, here's some stats that you can push out. and, And that's a way for them to kind of get content without having to curate it on their own. Because I think that's the biggest hurdle. It's like, what do I post? Where do I find it? And do I have the time to curate content? Well, we'll go ahead and do that for you since that's falls right in our wheelhouse and we'll be able to help push that
0: out for you. Mm-hmm. So have you guys stuck pretty much 100% to LinkedIn as a B2B marketing team or are there other net social networks that have you found some success with?
1: Yeah, so we are only on four social media networks. I refuse to add any more (laughs) because I just don't want to dilute our efforts any more than they already have. But we're only on four social media networks, the main ones, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, For B2B, we pretty much stick to LinkedIn and Twitter. And then Facebook, we do a little bit more B2B and also um, B2C outreach. But for the most part, in terms of what our highest um, engagement channel is right now, it's it's Instagram and LinkedIn. Mm. And before it used to be Facebook, but I don't know. I think it has something to do with the algorithms. Not trying to call anybody out, Mark Zuckerberg, but LinkedIn has definitely surpassed in terms of the reach we get as a brand. Now, I obviously I can't tell you what what kind of outreach we get, um, engagement we get with with our team members who are posting to LinkedIn. So that's just all kind of what they end up telling me. Um, but you know, that's that I think is just something just to show you the shift in how social media is going to be for brands moving forward. We everybody was so hell bent on Facebook being that lead driver and. I don't know. LinkedIn's doing really, really great things right now um, that that it's going to help a lot of brands in the future.
0: The thing the, the thing is Facebook had its heyday, right? For organic reach. LinkedIn is in its heyday for organic reach, might be tailing off just from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And a new platform is going to arise. So like once you learn the fundamentals on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever platform you're on, you can literally take those learnings to the next one because it's this cycle that will continue to happen over and over again. So once like, for for example, you guys have probably had success on Facebook in the past. Now you've moved on to LinkedIn and the time will come when there's another platform that's doing the things that those two were doing before and you just apply your learnings there.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. One thing I will say is the difference being that a lot of the new social platforms that are coming out are very um, content and video based. Whereas, you know, the thing that is great about LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook is that you can still do kind of educational text based posting and that's not the trend, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be harder for B2B companies to figure out how to change their social media um, strategies to suit the new TikToks, right? It's Mm -hmm. like even I every day think about, okay, I don't have to think about TikTok yet because that's not really where our audience is, but eventually they will be there. Right, Eventually, they're going to move over because people are eventually they do that. They migrate to to different channels as, as it suits them. And so that's a big thing for us. It's like, how are we going to change our social media strategy to suit these new channels that are coming down the pipeline? Um, and so that's going to be something that I think we definitely have to prepare for sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Um... So on top of social media, you guys are executing email really well. Um, And when you and I were talking beforehand, you had said that this is one of your strongest forms of marketing, which is email. Um, Can you explain like what you mean by success with email? Is this like cold outreach? Is this nurture? What is it you guys are doing?
1: Yeah. So for us, it's more on the nurture side, I would say. I think cold outreach is always going to be hard, right? Especially I think with the pandemic, I think everybody went to cold outreach because there was no other way, right? <laughs> so it was really taking and looking at what contacts, contacts we had in our pipelines, what contacts we already had in our systems and figuring out ways to nurture them and stay in front of them. Um, For the long term, right? So even if somebody we talked to somebody before in the past, and then maybe we got a soft no what we would call a soft no, and say, hey, not a right now, what can we do to get back in front of them without flat out selling to them again, right? Mm -hmm. And so we really have been focusing on nurture campaigns, just to stay at the forefront, which you could kind of define as brand awareness campaigns, right? Because we're not actually selling to them. They haven't actually said, I want to buy something, but we're just still kind of leaving things in their inbox for them to come back to um, at any time. And so Nurture has been huge for us. And it's been great because we've built tons of automations that have been able to continuously kind of keep touch points with a lot of these contacts that maybe have dropped off at some point, or they told us no, but we want to stay in front of them. Um, And it's been just really hands off for us because we built it and now the automations can just run, which has been really great. And then from a perspective from our from our population that actually uses our product, because we're, we're a B2B 4C company. So basically we have payers and buyers that buy our product, but then they pass it off to their populations to actually use our product. And so what's been great about that is that we've just been, it's just been great to engage with them via this method, right? They they want to hear from us and and we've really just worked on just providing them valuable information, things that they want to hear, things that they need to know about our product, but, um, but just continuing to provide that value to them. Mm-hmm. And so we think- usually- Oh, I was going to say, we just measure it by open and click-through rates, which I know some people are kind of like, oh, that's a little bit fluffy, but that's that's the KPIs that everybody measures off of. And we just had some really great success um, on that front.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, I think that's where a lot of companies go wrong is they disguise this educational email as a sales pitch. Mm. And then you get these unsubscribes, you get the marked as spam, and then No, they you get tuned out so it like has a negative effect on your brand but what you're saying is like this is strictly educational we just want to like be there kind of a top of mind brand awareness thing and if down the road they come inbound through our website and they don't even click through the through the email like you know hey this may have had a be this may have been a contributing factor
1: absolutely absolutely yeah that's a great way of of kind of defining that
0: (laughs) yeah um So what are some things that you guys are doing through email right now that other marketing teams just aren't doing very well, or they're just poorly executing? Is it that brand awareness?
1: I think so. I think that's one aspect of it. Um, you know, it's just figuring out how to provide educational value to, to users without always trying to sell them. Um, I know that's hard, right? It's like hard. It's like, why would I want to just send you an email but not actually try and get you to do anything? But, you know, we've sent a lot of emails where it's just been educational in nature, but nowhere to click. Right. And so it's just like, hey, I'm just sending you this email just to kind of inform you of some changes going on but you don't have to do anything i just need you to read this email and it's funny those are the emails that end up getting the most open rate so i know they read them which is fantastic and so that's something that we've really been doing and and funny enough this might seem kind of weird but i don't think a lot of marketing teams do this but i we've scaled back on how many emails we send so we don't send that many emails to our users max maybe one to two a week which for some, that's not a lot, right? And it might even be less than that, you know, one every week. So they're not, they're not getting inundated with emails. Cause I can only imagine that people are just being inundated with emails left and right, right? So we're really big on kind of respecting the inbox um, and just making sure that what we send is high quality and super valuable. And if that means that we're not gonna send an email because we don't can't provide that, then I'm not sending it. So mm-hmm. that's a big one for us. Um, another thing is I adhere to some pretty strict time, timeframes of when I send emails. Um, I only send emails Monday through Friday, nine to five, which I know a lot of people are going to be like, but you get so much engagement on the weekend. I don't want to read emails on the weekend. So I don't want people to read emails on the weekend. So um, I think that's a big, big part of a lot of the things that we're doing and why we're seeing success is we've got our times when we send emails and it's when we know people might be working and already in front of a computer. So why would I interrupt their um at home time or family time or the time they might be wanting to watch a movie uninterrupted right so we definitely have been sticking to that and it's been really successful for us
0: it basically boils down to having that empathy for your buyer or your mm-hmm. potential buyer and knowing look we're not going to try and execute on a hack or this email open tip right it's just hey we have their best interests in mind we're going to email them during the week. We're going to email them valuable content and just let it play out, playing yep. in the long run, just like with your, with your uh, social media campaigns.
1: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, same thing with social media. We don't post anything. We rarely post anything on the weekends unless it's a holiday. Most mm-hmm. of the time, it's Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Eastern is when you'll see us post. So, yep.
0: Um, You mentioned that you you guys use you one to two emails for your your customers or your buyers, right? So Mm -hmm. what about people that are maybe in the pipeline or some some no's, some clothes lost? um, Do you nurture them as well? Is that like less, like the cadence is less or or more? What does that look like?
1: Um, So for them, usually the cadence um, the cadence will be more long-term. So it's a long-term game plan. So we do a lot of nurture campaigns that could last anywhere from three to six months. Mm. And then we spread out those emails over the course of depending on what, what where they fall in our engagement pipelines. Like if there's someone that has said no to us in the past, we certainly again don't want to inundate their, their inbox. So we might do something, you know, every 10 to 15 business days, we'll send them out an email, but it will span out over the course of six months. So maybe they'll only receive an email like first in the beginning, maybe once a week, but then it might span out to just once a month, right? So we want to make sure that we're not, again, inundating that inbox, but staying top of mind. If they are ones that have been more highly engaged or, or they're in the pipeline, then obviously those are going to be more custom to where the conversations are um, and how they're going. So it just all depends, mm-hmm. you know, we we trying automations are great until you need to customize them. And um, so we we definitely take that into consideration depending on where they're at in the pipeline
0: hmm um, So in your words, why do you believe email isn't dead? I'm curious to hear what you'd say to that.
1: Oh, great question. Uh, I think at the end of the day, for the end user, you have the ability to customize your inbox. You can say and control what gets delivered to you either by simply signing up to receive emails or by unsubscribing, right? I can control what my inbox is says. So there are very few other marketing channels where you can do that, right? You definitely can't do that on social media. They're going to show you whatever you want to show you. Even if you unsubscribe from every group or page, they're still going to show you things via ads or via sponsored content or just via like your friend likes this. So you should see this. I think email is not ever going to go away because the end user can decide what they want to see. And then as a marketer. I know that that user is highly engaged because they've opened and engaged my email and they're always going to be a potential buyer or audience member or ongoing, just from a retention standpoint, ongoing user. And so I think that's why this is such a huge channel for everyone to, to be using because, you know, there, there's a there's a two-sided relationship there, right? It's the marketer trying to reach the user and the user giving permission to be reached, Right. And when that kind of comes together, then you both win. Right. So that's, that's, I think the biggest, the biggest thing that we can, that we can see from email marketing.
0: Yeah. And I think that the people that say like, well, email is dead is because they're not having any success with email. So what mm-hmm. would you tell those marketers?
1: I would tell them first start by cleaning up your list. Right. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand people on your list, if only 5% of them are opening your email right what's you should really at that point say okay only five percent of these people are engaging with my emails i'm going to get rid of everybody else and only concentrate on this five percent and then try and grow it from the other side that's the first thing that we did is we've removed anyone obviously we've removed anyone who's unsubscribed right because if they don't want to receive emails with us not a problem but at the same time we've removed anyone who hasn't engaged in our emails either if you haven't read our last three emails more than likely you're not gonna read the next three either. So at some point you decide to say, you know what, that's okay. They Let's remove them from the list because we wanna have really clean lists and let's concentrate on this subset of people that do wanna hear from us and do want to uh, continue to read our emails and open our emails. So that's something that we've done and I think that's why we've continued to see the trend move in such great directions is because we really keep our list nice and clean.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I love that point. And that was something I was very torn on early on for ours. And I would say so I would say our main strategy for just business development marketing would be what we're posting on LinkedIn and our podcast. And we really try to stay focused on that and not bite off more than we can chew. But with that being said, in the background, I would say like one A or one A would be what I just said. And then one B would be our email list. Um it's very small, but like something we're intentional about is like deleting those content, uh, those, um, those contacts that aren't engaged, definitely the ones that have unsubscribed and just being okay with it. Because okay. one, if there's an unsubscription, like that hurts, but it's like, okay, they don't want to hear the content and you have to be okay with moving on. Okay. And then really working on just delivering the value in the content and the quality of the list is more important than the quantity of the people that you have in there for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I can hundred percent agree with that.
0: Well, you guys are doing a great job with it. So keep up the good work. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so to close us out, I want to do something fun uh, just to mix this up. We didn't do this when we had you on the show the last time. Um, but basically I'm going to give you the mic to uh, make you the podcast host here to close us out for the last couple of minutes. And you're welcome to shoot any questions my way that you might have that were sparked in the conversation or that you might have on your mind. So anything, anything come to mind for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep going down this pathway because I know you, you send out email newsletters pretty frequently. And so I think this is a great thing to kind of talk about in terms of, you know, content versus copy and the email marketing form. And how do you curate your newsletters on a regular basis, especially for those people out there when they're, it's always the hardest part It's like, okay, what are we going to write about? I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear a little bit about your strategy in terms of, of how you start kind of creating your newsletters.
0: So we do two things within our newsletter. So the, the cadence is once a week. We try to get it out Tuesday afternoons. So I think that's important to be in like a rhythm. Um, the second thing is we, we typically repurpose some of the content that we've already put out there. So it's a marketing email. And then we also try to make it more personal than what we would post on LinkedIn. So let's say we had this really successful post on LinkedIn and we repurpose it, rewrite it and take some of the content and put it into the email it needs to be different than like a word for, for word verbatim of what you put on LinkedIn, right? You need mm-hmm. to personalize it. You need to make it different. You need to give more value than like a couple like lines or a couple paragraphs. So that's something we're really intentional about is like, who would open this? Would they find value in it? And then have someone in your head, like an ideal buyer or like legit a person that you know, and you're like, would they actually open this and find this valuable? Or are they just being nice because they know me and like opening the email and not unsubscribing? Like legit, think about that. Think about your best customer. Um, And then the second thing that we do in our emails is we we post about like what podcast came out. Because again, this is marketing content for marketers. We don't try and sell for a podcast, nothing. So it's more educational content. So we just give like a little synopsis, the link to the podcast episode, and then that's it. And we've had like the temptation to especially me and just be like, well, why don't we put like a, a paragraph in the bottom, just like the, the third section of like what we do and like a link to a website. And it's just like, I feel like that would just pull away and dilute the content that we had worked so hard to like deliver value with. And people are smart. They're going to know our name. They're going to know our brand. They already know what we do. If they want our services, they're going to go to our website and they're going to come inbound that way. Um, and that's just the way we look at it. I guess we're just overly conscious about like not trying to, to shove a sale down someone's throat and trying to get money out of them and just deliver value um, through an email list or even social media content.
1: I love that idea. And I love exactly what you just said and how you kind of pulled back on that. It's like too many clicks too many CTAs in an email is going to distract Mm -hmm. from the main purpose of the email, right? So it's like if your main purpose of the email was educational and you add another CTA in there, like what what truly was the purpose of of the email, right? And and you said something really great. It's like, they're smart enough. They know they can hit the reply button if they need to get in touch with you, right? And I think that's a great way of looking at when you think about email, it's like not everything has to be a sale because it's always about kind of just building something so that they know. How to get back to you, right? I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Well, Maria, uh, have you ever hosted a podcast before? Or is this, I have never this a hosted. A, that was it. <laughs> that was.
1: It. I hope I, I. hope I passed it.
0: You You passed with flying colors. I like how you you segued right into that. So, Thanks. um, thank you so much for being here for round two, joining me on the reunion tour. This was a lot of fun. Um, before we go, I always like to hear about like what the company does that you work for. So, what is PureFit, and what do you guys do?
1: Yeah. So PeerFit is the leader in corporate uh, fitness benefits. We provide our um, uh, services to healthcare companies, employers, health plans for both the under 65 and over 65 market. So if you're looking for a corporate wellness benefit that uh, that has lots of gyms, fitness studios, streaming services as a part that you could have your employer pay for, where are the people
0: for you. That's awesome. Well, Maria, thank you so much. Once again, Um, we'll have to have you back for round three here in the future. Okay.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Um, The reunion reunion tour. I like that. I like it. That's that's a great name. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it.